Bruce Friedman of Adult Side Broker, and welcome to Adult Side Broker Talk, where every week we interview one of the movers and shakers of the adult industry, and we discuss what's going on in our business. Plus, we give you a tip on buying and selling websites. This week, we'll be talking to Alex LeConte of Seven Veils. Before we get started, Adult Site Broker is proud to announce Adult Site Broker Cash, the first affiliate program for an adult website brokerage. With Adult Site Broker Cash, you'll have the chance to earn as much as 20% of our broker commission referring sellers and buyers to us at Adult Site Broker. Check our website at adultsitebroker.com for more details. First of all today, let's cover some of the news going on in our industry. As positive COVID-19 rates continue to rise around the country, the Free Speech Coalition has reiterated their advisory that it's unsafe to shoot content outside the home. However, as there is no specific threat to the talent pool, a production hold has not been called. The text of the announcement is as follows. Rising COVID-19 rates in production hubs, including Los Angeles, Las Vegas, and South Florida, have resulted in a rollback of reopening plans in those areas. As we stated last week, we cannot offer any guarantees that adult film production can operate safely. However, as long as film production is still permitted in those areas, and there's no specific risk to adult performers, we will not be calling for any national or regional production holds. The French Parliament has agreed to introduce an age verification requirement aimed at preventing minors from accessing porn websites. France's president, Emmanuel Macron, has made a commitment months ago to implement such a system. According to news site Politico, Macron made the protection of children against adult content online a high-profile issue well before the coronavirus crisis hit. In January, tech companies, internet service providers, and the adult movie industry signed a voluntary charter pledging to roll out tools to help ensure minors don't have access to porn content. The new French law, according to Politico, gives sites discretion to decide how to perform age verification. Requiring users to enter a credit card number seems to be one of the most popular options. The age verification requirement is part of an amendment attached in June to a law on domestic violence. In order to enforce the law, the French audiovisual regulator will be granted new powers to audit and sanction companies that do not comply, including blocking access to the websites in France with a court order. CAM4 has activated its CAM4 CARES team to assist local groups in Colombia in the battle against the coronavirus pandemic that is ravaging poor countries. In a statement, CAM4 said, In recent months, the coronavirus has led to the loss of over 120,000 jobs, and because many low-wage workers are employed off the books, there is little or no opportunity for the newly unemployed to attain welfare or any type of social assistance from the state. When this area faced incredible adversity, we at CAM4 reacted swiftly with empathy to provide our allies and their friends and co-nationals with much-needed supplies. As a direct response to COVID-19's devastating impact on these communities, a group of CAM4 broadcasters and customer support staff teamed up to raise funds in order to deliver crucial supplies to six of the most affected communities in Medellin. 
To date, over 740 care packages have been delivered, with each package containing a two-week supply of food and basic necessities. Now let's feature our property of the week that's for sale at Adult Site Broker. We are selling a network of 312 white-label campsites. They promote Webcam Wiz, Live Jasmine, Chatterbait, Streammate, Flirt for Free, Cams.com, Bonga Cams, and X Love Cams. Besides this being a highly profitable business with a lot of quality traffic, there are some older sites that don't have a lot of traffic but have some amazing cam domains. All traffic is either direct or organic. If you're already in the live cam business or want to get into it, this is a great opportunity for you. You get the entire network for only $760,000. Now time for this week's interview. Today on Adult Site Broker Talk, I'm talking to one of my favorite people in the adult space, Alex LeConte, director of one of the industry's preeminent social media companies, Seven Veils. Alex, thanks for being with us today. Hello. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you. So uh, what makes Seven Veils unique is they recognize, I got this from your About Us, by the way, they recognize uh, how the needs of adult entertainment social marketing differs from mainstream, and they create successful marketing strategies that work with adult entertainment to create deliverable results and long-term success on social networks. The company has won multiple awards, including Alex being named Best Industry Representative in 2018 at the Why Not Awards. My question is, what happened in 2019, Alex? <laughs> well, 2019 was... Uh, not a great, not as good of a year. Okay, I understand. Uh, Lauren, Lauren McEwen founded the company in 2010 with just herself as a one-woman company and recently named Alex as director, and I have to say it was a great decision on her part. Uh, the company has grown to a large group of social media experts. Through statistical analysis of your social marketing campaign, they create a social media strategy that busts through the ceiling of diminishing returns. It's responsive to your growth patterns and is predictive of the overall social media trends. They ensure that their engagement, marketing, and analytics work cohesively to create an unbeatable social media presence. Uh, did I leave anything out? No, it was actually very, very detailed, very representative of what we do. Thank you very much for, <laughs> for putting it this way. It's very clear, I think. Um, yeah. Okay. It's, okay. Yeah. Um, what, what do you do on a daily basis, Alex? Uh, in your work? So that's one of the things that I love the most about working as an agency, whether if it were when I was working for uh, traffic companies or Seven Veils. The thing is that we're in touch with many different clients. So it really, uh, first of all, it's not boring at all. There is not, I cannot say that one day is like the other. So what I will describe is the tasks that I'm trying to have every day. Uh, but mm -hmm. since it's from different clients, of course, uh, the tasks vary. Um, so uh, every day we go on our clients' accounts on social media platforms, uh, whatever they hire us for. You know, so there is mm -hmm. uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, uh, YouTube, TripAdvisor, TikTok, OnlyFans, mm -hmm. etc. So uh, we check a little bit about what people are saying about them. We check mm -hmm. the activities, so what our team has been posting over the week, over the day. Um, 
and we perform a search of so two kind of searches the the ear reputation of the client so to see if there is any negative feedback any polemical or any kind of controversy that is around the client and his brand and mm -hmm. uh, the other is um, about the, the marketing trends uh, in general the target but not only the direct competition but also the extended um, audience for our clients so there is a lot of it's a big mix actually of information um, of marketing trends it's all about the trends it's all about making sure that our clients are updated and um, everything is going so fast all the information the, the flow the communication telecommunication etc so we just mm -hmm. want to make sure that we are on the spot if something you know happens or if they just published even if it's something funny you know if, if mm -hmm. everybody is talking about a tv show and something if we can relate it to the business uh that's what we sure. do tiger king right <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh my god it was no you know no for me the worst i mean for me the worst but best for the clients it was game of thrones oh my god i uh -huh. wasn't watching it. and it's something it's one of the main thing that yeah. has changed my previous jobs I really because on my for my previous jobs I only had to focus on our industry right um, but for for seven veils I really have to be aware much more about the the whole global young trends you know so people that even <laughs> if of course we don't target teenagers of course right. not but it's we need to know what's going on because they are the trendsetter so yeah. Tiger King and but Game of Thrones was I, I wasn't I hadn't watched the the TV show, and for no, the final season, oh, oh no, you didn't? <laughs> Never. Oh my God! It was so many memes on on this last season, on the final season. Everybody was every week. There was uh, a lot of things to take uh, to to work on. So mm -hmm. I watched it. <laughs> I pride so, myself. I pride myself on not watching uh, primetime network television. Well, that's so. That's the the big uh, that's the big thing. We, I have a, a very limited patience for things like Big Brother, for example. Big Brother is really something like I can't personally. Mm -hmm. I mean, okay, if people are watching it and entertained, all right. But it's mm -hmm. definitely something that is not entertaining me at all. And I yeah. watched I, I watched trash TV, but Big Brother is I, I can't. It's a, a beyond my limit, and. Um, the but but this kind of things this kind of uh, trends you know it's it provides uh, a flow a wave that we we need to surf on social media you know for mm -hmm. for the companies it's just like the the three accounts that we always pay attention to are Netflix Wendy's and Pornhub because they are really really good at what they do and right. they really have this capacity to take something that all the popular culture the pop culture is is dealing with and they adapt it to their business and it's fantastic it's really the way to do hmm. things hmm. now you live in brazil you're from brazil well, what part of yeah. brazil are you in anyway so i was born in europe but i'm from uh, I, i'm mixed i i mm -hmm. live in brazil i used to live in the northeast fortaleza so mm -hmm. fortaleza is what i my, the region northeast is what i call home Mm -hmm. But right now I'm in the south in Curitiba, near between São Paulo and Rio. Mm, okay, okay. How's the situation there with the virus? I think I, I don't know about all the countries, but I have the feeling that it's pretty unique because mm -hmm. what we see, what I see on the internet, and what my family is and my friends are explaining me about their countries, so mm -hmm. uh, mainly Western Europe and the U.S. 
Sure. They, it seems that in Brazil, so first of all, we have a government that is not taking the, well, the president, not the whole government, but the president is not taking the, the virus seriously. Uh, he says he keeps saying that it's just a little flu and kind of reminds uh, me of kind of reminds me of somebody. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, it does. Uh, yeah, we, we were at the beginning. You know, in Brazil, we make fun of everything. That's uh, it, it. Sounds like something cool, but it's actually something very bad. I think at the end, mm -hmm. uh, we cannot make fun of everything. But that's what happened. And when when we saw some governments in very powerful countries and then we were like oh okay laughing at them but we actually have something similar or even worse here so yeah he doesn't take the threat so seriously here. so we the good thing is uh it's brazil is a very communicative country so people are really sharing a lot of information maybe too much i don't know but the we, we take care of each other in a way that everybody mm -hmm. is staying home and we are well aware for the majority of the population that it that there is a, a big threat mm -hmm. so the local governments have asked to close the businesses so shopping malls are closed right. partially but yeah the problem is we don't really have uh, the the president is it's just he keeps going to the crowds you know he has a lot mm -hmm. of people following him so they keep gathering we have some uh, last Two weeks ago, we had a demonstration, people in the streets, like in my city, which is one of the cities that is the most in favor of this person, of the president. Um, mm -hmm. There were like 200 people in my street uh, in a demonstration saying that we need to go out or the economy will collapse. Yeah, <laughs> so sounds, like a, sounds just like the States. I know. It's it's. It's it's terrible. I mean, for me, it's it's um, it's stupid, but it's uh, yeah. So the situation, well, from what I can tell, to answer your question, sorry, I, I was taking a bit of time, but um, <laughs> sorry, it is it is good because we are home and taking care. But uh -huh. from what I hear from my family and friends, sometimes it can be a lot of pressure that you cannot even go at the corner, you know, uh, in peace, or the police will give you a fee or a ticket or whatever. So mm -hmm. that's the good thing about here we are taking care of ourselves, but at the same time, I don't feel the pressure. If I want to go to walk in the park, I can do it. Mm -hmm. It mm -hmm. wouldn't be responsible, but mm -hmm. I, I could do it if I wanted to. So I think psychologically it affects us a little bit less. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, you speak at a lot of industry events, and if I may say, you're quite good at it. Um, I've told you that many times. In fact, you run the speed networking at a lot of the shows because you're just so damn good with crowds. Does this come naturally or is this something you've had to work at? Uh, well, first of all, thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, but uh, uh, I, don't, I don't think that I had to work it out. I, have, uh, I know that I'm a little bit strange. I mean, everybody's complex, but I have some uh, big different... I mean, you know, this whole situation, I'm actually a super introverted person. So when I have to speak for myself, it's complicated. If I have to go on a stage and, and tell things about my private life, it's, I barely can. Uh, I become. But you do tired. that. You do that all the time, Alex. <laughs> so that's the, no, but, and so and that's the thing. So when it's about me, the real person, uh, yeah. it's almost impossible. But when it's about business, it's totally different because it okay. has nothing to do with, with my taste and my, mm -hmm. you know. Because I think my most significant experience 
uh, work experience before joining the adult industry was uh, working on, uh, as a public relations officer for the French Air Force. Oh, wow. And I learned, I learned a lot there, you know, because uh -huh. the, the topics we had to deal with were so important, but also the frame was really, it wasn't flexible at all. We had some guidelines that we couldn't take many liberty or, you know. Of course. And uh, I think it helped me a lot to separate things. And uh, that's what happened when I'm, and that's why sometimes I'm a little bit concerned because I think, oh my God, maybe I'm being rude or brutal because when it comes to work, of course we can make some jokes. It, it helps uh, mm -hmm. on a communication base. Oh, yeah. But it's also very important to be, you know, uh, professional. And, uh, yeah, so when it's something that I have to talk about business and stuff, it's fine because I can relate based on my experience or what I've read and stuff. And sure. uh, so, no, I think it comes naturally, yeah. But but being professional in our industry, which I, I'm, I'm a very firm believer in as well as you know, um, it's also somewhat relative because we do have a rather – Oh, loose. Co we have some rather loose codes in our industry, wouldn't you agree? I I definitely agree that our industry is mm, very friendly. But for, you are a good example at this because, for example, you mm -hmm. are never appropriate. See, and that's something that we can see Was in that our industry. Appropriate or inappropriate? <laughs> inappropriate. Sorry, oh, okay. <laughs> but I wasn't sure what you, I wasn't sure what you said there. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> But you're a great example because, see, even if the speed networking would be early in the morning and everything, you always show up in advance, prepared. You have your business cards. You have your, your, your speech. Uh, you do the follow-ups. You're one of the fastest person to do the follow-ups. Um, and it's something that, okay, our industry is flexible and very friendly, but there is a time for everything. Uh, and that's why, for example, I think seven years ago or eight years ago, I met a wonderful person, Ines uh, Peterson. And she became one of my closest friends because even if we were socializing at parties and etc., at seven in the morning we were having coffee, and I, I saw her being very professional. But of course, since our industry is very friendly, she is also very flexible and very open mind, etc. Right. But I really appreciated, and I, I saw how powerful she was being at seven in the morning, having her coffee, reading her emails, you know. And that's how we became friends, actually, because I strongly believe in that. Even if our industry is friendly and flexible, there is a time for everything. Sure. And, for example, we see that new people coming in our industry, sometimes they have some behaviors, some gestures, some jokes that are totally inappropriate, especially um, mm -hmm. towards women. Yeah. And people like you, people like Ines, um, people like Katy from Bonga Cams, they mm -hmm. are so professional. You yeah. are so professional that it's, it's not... It doesn't and give you. me this feeling that our industry is... Oh, thank you. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I don't have this feeling that our industry, even being more flexible than mainstream, because I don't want to work in mainstream anymore. Mm -hmm. uh, I hear you. Even though, even though I, I think that we need to keep it professional because it's a mm -hmm. business, there is a lot of money. And, you know, I think that it's changing a lot because I see the difference from 10 years ago when I started mm -hmm. and now that the companies are hiring a lot more. People are not scared anymore to work with adult entertainment. So we right. see that some people that are very scholar, when they arrive mm -hmm. in the industry, they, they want to keep this this uh, this style they have from the mm -hmm. mainstream. So I think it's changing a little bit. Yeah, and add, add to the list your boss, Lauren. She's certainly one of the most professional people in the industry, without a doubt. And one, of my, and, one, and one of my favorites. 
<laughs> she's really the, the thing. Seven Veils is really, the personality of the company is clearly Lauren's personality. Uh, she founded the company and she's okay. leading the company in a way that I'm totally. I'm a huge fan of her. Mm-hmm. She has this capacity to be exactly this way, friendly and uh, professional at the same time. She set boundaries, which is something also very healthy. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, she's so uh, interesting. She's a fascinating person, you know, because she she has she's so smart. So. Mm-hmm. All the time, she has something interesting to say. You know, it's not speaking right. for speaking. Something relevant, relevant and uh, interesting and funny in a friendly way. Yep. She's she's wonderful. Yeah, she totally represents our industry, in my opinion. I agree. You you were already pretty accomplished when you got to the company. What have you learned from her? Oh my God, so many things. Uh, the to set boundaries, it was really important mm-hmm. because when we deal with social media, um, social media is clearly a rabbit hole. When we mm-hmm. start working on an account, you know, for example, the clients on Twitter, because Twitter is one of the, the platform that I like to work the most with. And mm-hmm. some of the clients, they are, they are paying us for a certain amount of tweets per month or per day. Mm-hmm. So when we are doing this, even if we are counting our tweets, even though we can lose track of time so fast. So she really taught me to, to set boundaries and uh, also to, to make to create a line a little bit more visible between being friendly and being uh, professional. So she helped me to, to, to get better at this. And mm-hmm. also about reading, because most of the people are not reading things that are kind of boring, like the terms and conditions of use of the platform. So mm-hmm. Lauren really is a great example of someone typically that you can say, okay, don't talk about something if you don't know it. So it's true. this is something that, yeah. She she brought me back to something a little bit more uh, scholar to hmm. prepare the, the you know to, to study more to, to mm-hmm. investigate more and sure. to analyze more so yeah it's but she she taught me so many things at work That's but awesome. also in my personal life yeah mm-hmm. yeah there's a lot of people that are more than willing to uh, to spew on about things they know nothing about so true yeah. so true now it's what's your favorite Sorry. Yeah. Oh my God. Yes. What's your favorite part of working in the adult industry? Not wearing t- a tie. <laughs> Not to have to wear a tie. Uh, that's definitely my favorite part. I've been. I think mm-hmm. I've exaggerated in the past. The other day, I saw a picture of me speaking at a panel. Uh, well, it was in Miami, but still, um, mm-hmm. I, I think I was wearing flip flops because it was by the pool. But on the picture, I appear uh, on stage barefoot. It's mm-hmm. exaggerating. I, I totally, it's a mistake. But uh, what I, I really appreciate about well, I shouldn't give a, <laughs> a keynote or something. In Miami? Too. Come on. That's Miami, though. <laughs> uh, still, it's, it's a little bit too relaxed. But, um, <laughs> you know, the, the fact that I don't have to wear a tie, that's something that really makes me feel comfortable because it matches my, my personal style. Um, because I think that you know, it's just like, for me, it's just like PowerPoints. I understand why people right. are dressing up and it's, uh, eventually it's a proof of respect in some, I think. Uh, but at the same time, I don't want people to, it's the, I'm not here. It's not what I wear. It's about the message. And I really want right. people to focus on the message. So that's why I understand the game about dressing up and stuff in the mainstream. But what I love about the adult industry is that people are paying attention to what I'm saying and not what I look like or 
Uh, I'm sorry. Where, where? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. What did you say? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I should have typed this message. <laughs> but, uh, but but it is that that's what I love the most. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Um, how has the coronavirus affected your business? Um, that's a great question. The, um, it has affected the business in many ways. First of all, we have clients that are that have stopped their activities. So because our clients are individuals or companies, so right. for some companies they cannot shoot anymore. Um, so it has sure. limited their their content. And um, unfortunately, they had to pose the contract with us because there is, if there is nothing to say, you know, or to show about their business, then there is not no point. I mean, we can talk about the the news, etc., but that's not what the customers want to see. So it has had a negative impact, but uh, mm-hmm. but it's still okay. I mean, it's it wasn't a lot. Of clients because we still have uh, other clients that could fortunately maintain their activities even from a home. Now, something that a big, big, big uh, impact from the virus situation on our businesses is that for the same amount of money and the same contracts that we have with the clients, we are spending much more time on their cases because there is a lot more information uh, posted on social media. Uh, people right. are home; they are they are posting and posting and talking, exchanging all day long uh, all over the world. So the amount of information to deal with and to analyze has been really, really, really improved. And and, uh, Mm -hmm. there was a huge growth on the data to analyze. So that it has been a little bit painful. I won't lie. And Mm -hmm. also the stress. Uh, People are so focused right now. So most of our clients are hiring us because they are not, or they are not good at social media. That's their mm-hmm. own words, or they don't care, or they don't like it. But now that they are stressed and at home, and they are using social media in their private life, they start mm-hmm. to pay attention to their business on social media, right. and that's when they decide to email us a lot of questions and feedback, etc. So the part of education <laughs> that I have with the clients has also significantly improved uh, and taken a lot more time than it, that it's used to. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Um, what is the biggest challenge you run into when working with social media? One of the biggest challenges is really the educational part that I was talking about right now because... Mm-hmm. Many people, so people hire us for three different uh, reasons. One is the time. That's one of the main reasons. Most of the, they just say that sure. they don't have the time to do it because most of the time they hire someone for social media and then they ask this person to do some banners and pick up someone at the airport, etc. So it's really time consuming. So that's part of, that this part is fine. Uh, then there is the reason why they, because they don't understand social media and they don't know how what to do with it. They see that there is a cool factor, but they don't know. Or the, the third reason mm-hmm. is that they don't like it. They, they don't like to expose themselves and tweet, etc., or post. So right. education is really important because they all have an idea about social media, how obnoxious it is or boring or <laughs> Kardashian or teenager, Snapchat, 16 years old girls, blah, blah, blah. So we have to explain, we have to take a lot of time uh, explaining how social media work and how marketing actually uh, works together with social media. 
So to to help people to forget what they learn about social media and how they see it on their personal in their personal lives, and to bring it for to on the business side. And honestly, this is the biggest challenge because it takes a lot of time, and in many cases there is no return on it because hmm. it's a lottery. You know, we can explain, we can take like five hours to explain to a client why he shouldn't retweet himself, for example. Uh, meaning that you know, if they post something on Twitter and then a month after they decide to do a retweet of this previous tweet, so if we take a lot of time to explain why, because they are very curious and they want to understand what we're going to do on their account, but then after two months maybe they will say, oh, I don't want to to work on my social media anymore because I want to buy traffic from a tube site and get a lot of visits, and that's very frustrating. Sure. What I mean, what do you what do you tell them? Uh, when they're saying, well, what are the tangible results of social media? Why shouldn't I buy traffic instead of social media? What would you tell them? It is my frustration right now because I come from traffic. So I, I, think, I, think, I, I think I understand about traffic. And uh, sure. I used to have some clients that were spending quite a lot, I mean, not spending, investing quite a lot of money uh, every <laughs> month with me uh, buying some popenders, etc., right. uh, in various companies, and it's okay, it's a strategy, I totally get it, you know, Nike sure. and Adidas, they, they have the same, and branding is a big part, especially when you're a big, big brand, you need to show that you're healthy, etc., this is right. not the topic here, but it's very frustrating, because at Seven Bells, people say that our prices are high, I, I really swear they are not high, because we can start working from $1. <laughs> Um, in average, our services, it depends because it's all a la carte, but in average, it's about $1,000 per month. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, it, it, it works, you know, and people right. see this as a traffic investment where it's actually a branding and traffic. It's a mix, but it's really about quality over quantity because you're building right. the, the, the trust with your brand. And of course, it takes time. But for sure. this amount... I can swear that it's really, it's, it's super fair. Uh, and so when people are coming to me and, and saying that they would prefer to buy traffic from a tube site, well, okay, you can have a lot of impressions from a free video watch uh, mm-hmm. and people will be curious about your brand and maybe they will click and maybe they will have some sales and maybe the amount will be huge. But the, the, the proportion of the money you've invested and the results okay, it's good to have sales, but it's also very important to take care of their reputation, especially now that people are mm-hmm. always on social media asking for advice and recommendations. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Well, but, but, I mean, yeah, and here's the other thing, and I'm sure this was a frustration of yours when you were in traffic, and it's even probably a bigger problem now since you've had a couple of years in between, um, but the amount of bot traffic and junk traffic, what did I read? That like 70% of the traffic in the world is bot traffic? Yeah, I read that. Uh, I think I read a report about three years ago, something like this, that somebody Probably shared. Probably worse now. And yeah. um, it was scary. Well, I know that most of the ad networks have some uh, securities to, to fight this. Mm-hmm. I remember back then at GCS, they had someone mm-hmm. that was just one person that was totally dedicated to the security of this kind of thing. So the, this, the person's job uh, was to, to scan everything and to fight bot and to. So 
I know that they are working on this. I'm pretty sure that all the networks are working on something similar. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's it's probably hard to avoid, yeah, but traffic because people are there and they are trying to make money and it's a, it's a wild, it's a very Western, wide West situation, you know. <laughs> and, well, but um, if you well, but if you add up the bot traffic and the garbage traffic, what's left? <laughs> so that's my that that's my point. That's why I took the case of Nike and Adidas, you know, because mm-hmm. sometimes I see their outdoors in some ways. I was in Chile two years ago and. Near, mm-hmm. I was in, near a mountain and something, and I saw one of the outdoor, and I was like, okay, yeah, maybe people are doing sports there, and but I wonder how much they're paying for this. So that's kind of a the, lot. Yeah, I'm sure they are, but it, it's that's what I'm taking. You know, if you buy some mm, tube sites traffic, then your visibility will be huge, and I guess that people are betting on the branding and the fact that you know it's. I was reading this book, Hitmakers, what, what makes things become a hit, and it's because the repetition of the message is so important, so maybe it will help them to build the, the trust with the brand this way, with this uh-huh. strategy. Yeah. yeah, I guess, but you know, if you look at traffic now and you break it down, okay, banners, quite frankly, are not near as effective as they used to be. And pop-unders and pop-overs and pop-ups and all of those things are irritants. And a lot it of those get, those get blocked by your browser anyway. So yeah. what's left? <laughs> so, but, you know, that's, that's why I, I mean, honestly, that's why I had decided to switch and to mm-hmm. stop with traffic, ads, uh, ad traffic mm-hmm. and go to social because... Mm-hmm. One of my points was I still believe in ad traffic because I see that it's performing for some old clients. Sure. But my point is even us, even, you know, we are working with this. We are making mm-hmm. our, we are paying our rents from ad sales and stuff back then. Mm-hmm. But some of the people, most of the people that I know, they are still using some ads blockers, you know. And it's, okay, sure. if you behave like this, why would you think that the customers will behave in a different way? Bingo. So that was my about you know I being mm-hmm. for example everybody was fighting when I was in ad networks for the first impression and for me it has never made sense about selling the first impression more expensive or anything I mean mm-hmm. yeah it's a trick but I was surprised to see how, how much people are fighting for it because if you're mm-hmm. going to a tube site it's very rare that somebody is just watching one video and right. that was a surprise you know that people weren't thinking like that because if you adapt your own behavior to project your behavior to, to the to the targets, well, you will see that it's not the way you would do it for yourself. Right. And that's why I preferred social media because, okay, it's, the, the quantity are not even comparable. It's much smaller. The amount of impression is way smaller than a tube site, of course, mm-hmm. but it's more quality, you know. That's, for me, it's, the, it's exactly about XBiz shows. People are always... I keep hearing stuff about, oh, XBiz, okay, uh, five people are going to this show or whatever. I've <laughs> always had really good XBiz shows. Um, mm-hmm. I love all of the shows in our industry that are doing a fantastic job. But mm-hmm. for XBiz, I don't understand why people are complaining about the fact that there are very few people because it's always very quality oriented. You, know? you want to hear, hear something really funny about that? I hadn't been, well, actually two years ago I did go to Germany. But I hadn't been to a domestic show of theirs, oh gosh, since they did the Chicago show. Maybe Chicago or, yeah, Chicago, which was, I don't know, six years ago, five years ago, six years ago, something like that. Um, 
And, you know, living out in Thailand, I obviously have to pick very carefully what I'm going to travel to, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. But with Phoenix going away, which broke my heart because I love that show, um, and I hope it comes back, um, I, I, I decided to replace it with the two Vegas shows and Expos LA. And I got to tell you, Expos LA was fantastic. It oh, was great. Good. And I got a lot out of it. And also the, the two Vegas shows were, were, were good too. You know, they were really good too. But I was really pleasantly surprised how good Expos LA was. And it's on my regular calendar now, whether Phoenix comes back or not. Well, that's, that's exactly the point. You know, people are, because the European Summit and Avian shows are always a blast. Everybody loves them because they are, they are, they are really good. Uh, it's oh, a yeah. fact, and I love it too. Uh, sure. But I keep hearing, yeah, some concerns about XBiz, and for me it's a big surprise because at all the XBiz shows, I had at least one contract. Mm -hmm. So that, that's, that's pretty good because one contract can at least justify the cost of the travel most of the time. Well, oh, except yeah. for the rooms, because the rooms in LA are really expensive. <laughs> but it's uh, but a part of this, I also had really, really good things from the marketing because mm -hmm. I can sit with people and hear more about their business. But at the same time, it's in very uh, a friendly atmosphere. You know, what I love the most about the show is that the schedules are not packed, so I can go to some mm -hmm. seminars and I can really update my knowledge about our industry and what people are right. doing and that's fantastic right. really uh, yeah. it was good it was good i was actually next door i mean literally next door to an airbnb um the first house second house on the right hand side on that street next to the andas uh owned by a movie producer with a, a view from the deck overlooking all of uh downtown los angeles it was oh, uh, wow. it was awesome nice. it was awesome um, so, yeah, I will be back next year for sure. So what, what kind of effect does this job have on your personal life, Alex? Um, I was thinking this week about writing something about the, the effect of, uh, because I, I just go, uh, um, yeah, I won't get into details <laughs> in my personal life. I, oh, please, I, go, I, oh, please, go ahead, <laughs> Alex. No, it's, uh, it's the sad stuff. So, um, no, I'm but sorry. I, I was wondering if, oh, it's fine, it's fine, happens, life. Um, I'm really like Carrie Bradshaw, I think. <laughs> but the, uh, it's about, I wonder if this industry is affecting our personal lives, you know, the fact that we are dealing with adult entertainment. Mm -hmm. But specifically, the work at Seven Veils, it has affected my, my personal life in a way that I was using a little bit social media from the, well, Facebook from almost the beginning when they, when mm -hmm. they started to open invitation out of Harvard and uh, I, I was using social media to keep in touch because I've lived in, in different places so my family and friends are all we are all remote so social media is a mm -hmm. great way to share you know to make people part of your lives mm -hmm. but since I work with at Seven Veils I, I, I tend not to use social media that much on my personal life I mean mm. I my professional profiles, because I always have, you know, uh, Instagram personal and professional, Facebook personal and professional, mm -hmm. and my personal ones are actually super boring. But the professional mm -hmm. one, I keep using them for um, the branding and the company and myself. Uh, and my, mm -hmm. myself. So I use them. I treat those accounts as a client. But, mm -hmm. uh, uh, but yeah, otherwise, the real stuff, I tend to post less because... Mm -hmm. 
or I do it in a, I, I have developed a kind of stressful relationship with social media. It's very, <laughs> very heavy, you know, no, because it's, it's, it's a lot to absorb. So it's a lot of stuff mm-hmm. you see during the elections, you see during the, the, the coronavirus quarantine stuff. It's really, really obnoxious. It's so heavy. It's a lot <laughs> of, and people are sometimes really, really stupid, you know, and they just keep talking and posting and trolling and it's like, oh my God, no. So yeah, that's the thing that has impacted the most, I guess. Uh, it opened my eyes on how heavy some behaviors can be on social media. Eh, I post I post a lot of anti-Trump stuff, and uh, you won't see any of that in my professional bio because I don't want to be judged. But uh, yeah. just in just in, just in case there's a Trump lover there. <laughs> but it was, you know, the the elections and this coronavirus thing. Uh, right. It has been oh. so impressive because. You, it divides the, the the population, the cyber population, between people in favor or against it, but it's also about a measure, you know. I live in a city that is completely in the majority in favor of the Brazilian president, and um, yeah. I am personally against the Brazilian president. But so it's it's rough because even, you know, the news, the fake news, the messages, everything that mm-hmm. I posted, I just posted an ad. I, I started, okay, that's a personal fact and it's controversial, mm-hmm. but... I've posted an ad because I was looking for a service in my city, and then some mm-hmm. people started to answer. But I am I am not necessarily a nice person, and I just saw that some of the people that were answering were really in favor of the president, and I just said, okay, I would like to hire someone that is not in, in favor of this president. Maybe Ooh. I should say that. Well, it's because I don't want to deal with people that don't share my ideas and on my personal life or even someone to help me to clean the house or whatever. Yeah. I don't want that. And especially because this region is a little bit racist against the, my region, against the Northeast. So anyways, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, and it started a whole controversy and everything. And that's mm-hmm. what social media has become right now. People yeah. arguing for their ideas and fighting for their ideas, lack of sure. respect, total lack of respect. So, yeah. 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 Um, you th- do you think society judges uh, what you do for a living in the industry you're in? I have this feeling, yes. I don't know if it's true or not. I don't know if I'm being paranoid. I just know that mm-hmm. we have some challenges, yeah, absolutely. Uh, mm-hmm. When we are at the airport, the other day, oh my God. <laughs> my client just sent me uh, pictures of a twink that was, the guy is 19, <laughs> but he really looks younger. And I, I I, had the pictures on my on my computer when I opened it in the plane and I, I was Oops. mortified. Yeah, I was, I felt bad. I yeah, nothing. Yeah, nothing that looks nothing that looks like underage. You don't want to do that, uh, or no, porn for that matter. When you're on a when you're on an airplane, yeah. Yeah, even if it's even if it's uh, males, you know, showing boobs, and and you mm-hmm. just don't want eventually at the airport showing it up mm-hmm. when you're working. So it, mm-hmm. I think society, of course, will always judge our activity. Of course, um, but. Uh, yeah, even mainstream people, you know, at some shows, I had some comments that were a little bit awkward. Like, oh, you do adult? Ooh, no. Okay, that's fine. Yeah, everybody loves it. So I think the I think we are judged. Yeah, I think I think it's important also to see because there is a person that has kind of left the industry. This guy has been working in the industry for a couple of years, and then he was posting a lot about being part of this industry, etc. But I think our industry has mm-hmm. two levels because some of the people that are working on the digital business side behind mm-hmm. the, the websites, etc., they are facing maybe some judgments from the society. But we sure. also have the performers and the performers 
are really much more exposed. So I think we cannot um, take the same level of animosity from the society, you know. Our industry mm-hmm. has different levels, in my opinion. I don't know if I make myself clear about that. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense, actually. Okay. What are you What are you really missing uh, during the during this lockdown? Um, the lockdown has oh, it, it, maybe it sounds bad for all those people that are suffering, but um, the lockdown has been a good thing for me uh, because mm. uh, my personal life is a chaos. And um, I've always used work and travels, especially, to escape from it. So mm-hmm. it has helped me to, to recenter. It sounds so cliche, but it has, oh, yeah, no. I, I took this time for me. And, you know, sometimes I'm just looking at the wall and just thinking. And it's something that doesn't happen much in my life. No. But, uh, I've, so, been, yeah, I've, been, I've been meditating lately, which is great. I've yeah. been meaning to, so I'm finally getting around to it. Well, yeah, it's. I think everybody is finding some ways to cope with it and trying mm-hmm. to take advantage, if you can call that this way. Absolutely. But so, no, something that I something that I would that I definitely miss uh, from this situation is just the. Uh, I don't know. My therapist always tried to bring this with me, but I still don't understand it because I really something that I value the most in my life is my liberty. My liberty. Mm-hmm. I don't know how you pronounce that. My freedom. Mm-hmm. Sorry. So. My freedom is very important for me. So from the moment that something, a situation, a government or whatever is telling me, you cannot travel, Mm -hmm. it bugs me. And even if I recognize that, yeah, it's a good thing for me not to travel right now so I can, of course, be healthy, but at the same time, fix my life. But still, Mm -hmm. it bugs me that that something is taking away a part of my freedom. So that's. I don't think you're. I don't think you're at all alone about that because somebody else is telling (laughs) you that. We're all we're all resistant to others telling us things, especially governments. Yeah, yeah, it's it's. But even if the government was telling me, because in Brazil we can still take the plane and go somewhere, whatever. Mm. I don't. I'm still receiving the promotion of my plane air air company asking me to, to travel and stuff. But I won't do it. So I'm. No. It's more the situation that is telling me not to do something, and I hate mm. that. That is exactly, exactly. Um, so, what's the first thing you're going to do when you uh, get out of jail? <laughs> <laughs> when I get out of, of my own jail, the first yes, thing exactly. I have, do. Yes, exactly. Um, yes, I have a personal connection with Mexico very strong uh, connection with Mexico very strong mm-hmm. and uh, I miss the fact that I'm trying to to visit uh, the family and friends there uh, once or twice a year and uh, since January I was I haven't been able to be to go there so I think that probably the first thing I will do will be to book a flight to go to Mexico yeah oh, well that that sounds fantastic <laughs> well Alex I'd really like to thank you very much for being on Adult Site Broker Talk today. Um, Thank you. you. It's really my pleasure. I hope to get you back on for a future show. And again, thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Bruce. Thank you very much for everything you're doing for, for the community and the industry. That's so kind of you. And thank you for having me. Thank you very much. Thank you, brother. My broker tip today is part two of how to buy a website. Last week, we discussed first deciding the type of site you want to buy and then establishing what your budget is. Next, it's time to look for your new website. So where do you look? 
Well, Adult Site Broker is a great place to start. We always have a nice variety of website and non-website properties for sale. But if there's a particular type of site you want, we can always act as your buyer's broker to help you find just the right site. Other places to look are boards like xbiz.net and gfy.com. But to be completely honest, unless what you're looking for is a really low-end property, you're probably not going to find what you're looking for there. Of course, you could contact site owners yourself, but take it from someone who does it for a living. It's a major hassle, and it can be really hard to even find out who owns a site. Almost all adult sites use Whois privacy from their domain registrar. So when you send them an email, it will be to an anonymous address, and in most cases, the emails are never returned. We have a huge database of sellers and generally know who owns what. And if it's a website of note, and if we don't know who owns it, we can always find out. We'll talk more about the subject next week. And next week, we'll be talking to Mr. Brad Mitchell, the owner of Mojo Host. That'll be a fun one. And that's it for this week's Adult Site Broker Talk. I'd once again like to thank my guest, Alex LeConte. Talk to you again next week on Adult Site Broker Talk. I'm Bruce Friedman.